G'day guys and welcome to What Are The Odds for the last time this home and away season. Of course, brought to you by the Yorkshire Hotel. As we reach the end of the season, our mind wanders to best and fairest dinners, line group breakups and of course, epic Mad Mondays. And if you haven't already organised yours, well, the Yorkshire Hotel has you covered. No functions too big, no occasion too loose. The Stingo on the corner of Langridge Street and Punt Road has you covered for all of your end of season needs. This episode is also brought to you by an apology. Unlike most so-called experts in the sports media, when I get it wrong, I like to apologise. And last week, I got it wrong. Well, I sort of got it wrong, but I'll get to that in a second. To all Melbourne fans, apologies for the hate goggles. But also, if you listen to the actual content of our manifesto slash rant last week about your beloved football club, it turns out the five pillars of footy are a pretty good way to try and win games. So when the mainstream media goes that Melbourne handball better and first gave more, they're actually wrong because you've been doing that every week. When the mainstream media goes Melbourne are dangerous because they score lots, well they're wrong because you've been scoring lots all year. What the issue is is that your ninth ranked defence is not that good against top 8 teams unless you look at last week's performance. The reason why you won last week was because you followed our five pillars of excellent footy. You worked hard off the ball, you were clean with the ball, you were smart and efficient going inside 50, suggesting that maybe Jesse Hogan missing the final series won't be the worst thing for your football club. You're a little bit straighter at goal, and you took plenty of marks inside 50. The next step, Melbourne fans, before I jump on board, is consistency. So before you cancel those tickets for the end of season Hotham Loft, let's see how the deeds go against the Giants this week. Every is true for the red and the blue, and we sing this song to you. With the formalities out of the way, it's time for everyone's favourite segment. Got to ask Baz, and as always, the first question is, Baz, how was your weekend? Very good, very good. Prize one, BGS uh, 19's won pretty comfortably, 174 points. <laughs> very comfortable. The uh, Resis had a win, the two other uh, ones uh, unfortunately went down, but they weren't great conditions at South Road Over, I'll give you a bit of a tip. And, uh, well, Melbourne won, so, and uh, I, I, I actually... I, on Sunday night, I, said that I thought they over-celebrated a bit, their win. And Jody went with it on Monday night as well, but I already copped all the uh, the treatment off the Melbourne fans on Sunday night. And, you know, it's my opinion. If they don't like it, then that's fine. And they're allowed to have theirs. But, you know, we did say a few things about Melbourne last week. And, turned, you know, we said they were right. In the end, they were, what they did was right. They changed a few things and they won. So... But I'm not still. I'm still not on their bandwagon, and like the media is this week with them and Hawthorne. Just need to relax a bit. Even Sydney's getting a bit of a spruik now as well. Just, just, just calm down, people. Richmond is still the best team in the comp. Yeah, well, apparently not, according to the media. So because of that, a few things I want to ask you. The first of you did mention briefly there was it's a two-parter. So one, did Melbourne over-celebrate making the first final series in 12 years? And part two is that is that is Melbourne now the second best team in the comp? Because everyone, literally everyone in mainstream footy media has gone with two things. How great is it to see this club celebrating? How great is it to see pictures of Max Gorn cuddling Nathan Jones and the rest of the boys just, you know, basically crying on the, on the ground straight after the siren? 300 Instagram posts about 300 the win. Instagram posts about the win. And uh, everyone's gone, now that they're going to make finals, they're clearly the next best team to challenge Richmond. They're going to, they're going to make 7th or 6th. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they're not even top four. They won't make top four, and you know, you talk about over celebrating. Collingwood haven't made the finals for nearly six years, and we didn't celebrate that much after we won on on Saturday. So, I, and there's other teams as well. You know, I just think that yeah, just, just need to relax about everything. I, I, it's good that the media's at least talking about teams in a positive way, I suppose, instead of being negative. But I just you know, bring it back a bit, talk about some some good things, talk about Richmond on you know Friday night, and talk about their their uh, differential free kick differential or something like that because it's, it's it's a bit baffling but actually Harwick did the smart thing as well and mentioned Rewalt and he's getting scragged so if it, if it works as well as it did for Mason Cox Rewalt's going to kick a bag this week so do you think it is still very much Richmond then followed by plenty of space and then the, then the pack of seven teams chasing or have some teams in the last couple of weeks proven that they've worked out the Tigers if West Coast get Kennedy back and have pretty much obviously won't get Gaff back, but have a pretty much full full lineup. They're, they're gonna they're gonna push Richmond at the G or anywhere they play them. 
GWS probably now with uh, a few more injuries are probably going to really struggle. So and plus their players going to be coming back from injuries and not match fit and stuff like. They're going to be a dangerous team play come finals, but they're not going to worry Richmond, I don't think, because they always don't have the depth. And, you know, they've got to play at the MCG this week, and we'll, we'll find out a bit more about GWS and winning at the MCG. And I just don't think any other team, you know, Kyle's got too many injuries. A lot of teams have too many injuries at the moment to really challenge. Hawthorne really rely on their top, you know, six to ten players. Uh, Melbourne, I just don't think they're there yet. Um, Geelong, you know, we know about Geelong. We, we know plenty about Geelong. And Sydney, well, you know, they've changed, they're playing a bit quicker. They've actually started to become a bit more of a front-half team the last few weeks as well. They're actually taking out, the, as Ruzi was saying on Monday night, they're taking out the strengths of the opposition. So, again, we spoke about someone going to Whitfield instead of Shaw because Shaw's not there. Mm-hmm. Whitfield got tagged out of the game and pretty much was ineffective and that hurt GWS as well. So, And obviously they lost a few players as well, GWS, but I don't think Sydney are capable of, of, uh, of matching at Richmond. I just don't think they've got... I just think they're strong enough midfield and they're, they're back on solid, but uh, I just can't see them kicking big enough scores to win, especially against Richmond. They, they score a lot. So, yeah, for me, it's Richmond, you know, five, six goal better team than anyone. It's just whether they can keep fit and actually don't uh, cost themselves a, a back-to-back. Obviously, your boys have been pretty hyped this week as well. You left them off the list of overhyped teams, but 50-point win against the Port Pretenders on the weekend. Rumours that Trelaw is going to make it back for the final series. Yep. Does that mean things are starting to line up for a bit of a Richmond-Collingwood grand final? Oh, look, if it does, I'm happy for it, but I don't think we're going to win it. I, look, for, for, I was actually talking about this tonight with a couple of the boys who are Carlton supporters. For the last three or four weeks, all they've cared about is the upcoming draft and they're looking at talent coming forward and stuff. And I was saying, actually, the last like probably five or six years, that's all I've done with Collingwood about by now. I'm, I'm watching all the under-18 games, all that stuff, and trying to you know, see who we can pick up if I know anything about it when we do pick him up. But this year, I'm actually looking forward to the final series. So for me, it's already a change. I'm happy with that. If we lose straight sets or lose straight away and get knocked out, I'm kind of okay with that because I think we're going to build on it. But I'm not, I don't think we're anywhere near Richmond caliber. And just all those people as well. And again, this was picked up on the, on the couch. People say that we play a similar game style to, to Richmond. Look, we play a pretty... Uh, pressure-minded game like Richmond and stuff like that. But we don't actually play like Richmond. So people out there saying we copy their style. If you look at the stats, we don't. We don't. We we have more possessions per game mm. in Richmond. We don't move the ball as, as um, per possession as far as Richmond because Richmond obviously look to hack it forward and keep it there. We actually look to you know move it through possession. That's why we have more uncontested marks in Richmond. All those sorts of stats where, you know, all those things, if you look at them side-by-side... Uh, uh, side, you know, we play a lot differently to Richmond. We just have the same pressure acts and the same sort of... We want to keep it in our four line. Our four line has to bring pressure, so mm. otherwise it's scored too easy going the other way. Last year we had the fairy tale of Richmond winning the grand final, supposedly out of nowhere. Listeners to our podcast, obviously, we were talking about them for a good, you know, eight to eight to nine weeks before the grand final. So it wasn't out of nowhere. But now I think people are over that. It feels like the media's over that storyline. They're over that, and because now it's just like, oh, Richmond's the best team or one of the best teams in the comp we can't say that every week so we'll just make stuff up yeah find someone yeah. but also they've very much gone Richmond's game plan is uh, so simple it's just forward pressure and that's not it either like we've talked about this year how they'll let you get all the way to their defensive 50 let Rance mop it up and then rebound very quickly very directly then get it back forward and, and reset there's more to their game plan than just their small forwards applying pressure which is why we get these lazy comparisons between Richmond and Collingwood or yeah. You know, every other team that has forward pressure, like Richmond and the Western Bulldogs. And it's like, no, all these teams play very different styles. And instead of worrying about the state of the game or, oh, defence is taking over, if you actually take a moment to actually watch the game, think about it, think about the different tactics going on, there's lots of things that you could write about that you could talk about as I said, going for the, for the very easy or our, simple things. Our game style is more actually like the doggies. Hmm. It's, a, it's an adaption of the doggies game style. We just, we lots of short kicks, lots of handball to move forward and use the pace and our bailout kicks obviously are Mason Cox which the doggies don't generally have the boys not playing stuff like that so yeah it's a bit different to the doggies but ours is actually more like the doggies sort of game plan than actually Richmond so but anyway it's, it's for the media to sort out I suppose that's why you know they're there and we're here I think. This is the stage of the season where we start you know putting the feelers out for 
what contracts are available and who's going to pick up who and you know I'm happy, I'm this ha- time next year we could be picked up by the Banjo Legs mate could yeah. be making our debut and becoming one of the mainstream who oh, knows or we just write for them so they can steal our stuff uh, legally and pay us instead of just uh, doing, yeah. doing it off our own podcast but anyway correct some of the other talking points this week which you've been blowing up about both publicly and privately do you Baz think that Count and Gold Coast are entitled to priority picks there should be no priority picks at all yeah, compensation picks, but no priority picks. So why why is that? Why? Because how how can teams be rewarded for mediocrity? So if they're poor recruiting, poor development, poor coaching structures, poor uh, facilities, poor running of the club, why should they be rewarded with another pick in like you know the first twenty picks of the draft? Because what, what? How does that fix their problems? So obviously, you know, say for instance, Gold Coast have had a big big football department restructure with you know football boss coach everything like that so that was a problem there for it's been a problem there for 10 years the facilities have been a problem how they were built and put you know brought into the game and brought into the competition was a problem so that doesn't help them fix their their list or their their players or anything so why give them a pick that's not going to help them so that what the afl's done is they've come in they've given them a new coach you know done pretty much what they did to melbourne and, and all these and a few other clubs like brisbane where they've just help them build everything they need to build, get it right in the football department, get their facilities right, and then it will start to happen on the footy field. And I don't think, yeah, and, and Carlton's the opposite. Carlton decided to bottom out. Carlton decided to trade out, you know, and get rid of all these senior players. And you know, they've made bad trading decisions. You know, they gave up pick seven for two players from GWS. They've given up other picks for players from GWS. So obviously they've traded out, their, you know, picks and they've traded out players for picks and stuff like that, and they've got it wrong. And I mean, you know, probably from the last two years, they're starting to see some good players, and they've got the draft draft picking right. But why, again, why should they be rewarded for you know being pretty much choosing to be crap for a couple of years to get the draft picks? Why would you give them another draft pick to you know? Mm, yeah, definitely. And also, I don't think it solves a problem either. Like, how did talented eighteen-year-olds take you from being a, a losing side to a winning side? Other than the absolute amazing all-time greats of the sport like Chris Judd who came on and dominated from the very very first game yeah. most of these kids take three years to develop yeah. and for, for clubs like Carlton or Gold Coast that have a plethora of midfielders but are actually missing key position players it takes even longer for them to develop yeah. so getting them you know three 18 year olds in the top 10 won't solve any of their problems and they'll still be crap for three more years or whatever so I actually, I actually agree with the Paul, Paul Ruse model and you know let's be honest in two years time probably probably even shorter, maybe even another year, so three years. The clubs are going to go back to having AFL reserves and an AFL list. It's, it's going to happen in VFL footy because at the moment there's only a couple of standalone teams. They're, they're struggling, so obviously St Kilda want to have a standalone you know, next year or the year after, so Sandy will struggle. Frankston will be struggling after next year. You know, you've only, Coburg have been struggling for the last few years. You've only really got uh, Williamstown and Port Melbourne that can handle it standalone, but again... Last year, Port Melbourne nearly went broke, and if it wasn't for public support, mm. they would have gone under as well. So it's, it's coming back to that, and that means clubs will have to have bigger lists. So like these sorts of clubs should be able to have you know three or five or two or three, whatever however many years. Mature age players have to be over the age of, say, 20, 21, between the ages of 20 and 25, say. They get to add them to their list um, and, and you know, pay them whatever they want for two years, get them look after them get them to the system maybe play a few games AFL and then decide if they want to add them to their list and obviously they get blokes who are a bit more mature they've obviously been around the system for a while because they've been playing you know, state league footy they've gone through the TAC cup system and stuff they can teach young blokes and I'll tell you what if a 21 year old rocks up to an AFL club with a two year uh, contract and it's his chance you watch how he trains and how he prepares because he knows it's his last shot the, un- the young boys will see that will go you know, we should. You know, that's he's leading the way. So, I, I think that idea why uh, Ruzi was pretty good. So, and and fair credit to Ruzi, it's a good idea to put in the AFL kind of spectrum and within that universe. But it's not a very original idea. You go back and look at the look at the sports that do talent management really well. NFL, you look at look at baseball, well, baseball number one because they have a minor league system of three tiers. And you go in there, you get drafted as this amazing draft group number one, and you'll play 
Double A baseball. You won't yeah. play major leagues for four or five years. Unless you're a boss. Unless, unless you're an absolute freak. Again, like Chris Judds exists, LeBron yeah. James exists, but if you're just a standard, super talented top 10 pick in the, in the baseball, you'll go and do your time. You'll learn how to be a professional. You'll learn how to travel. You'll learn how not to get homesick. You'll learn how to, you know, money, manage your money as well as play baseball. And then you come out the other side of that when you're in your mid 20s, when you're a bit more of an actual adult. You can deal with the pressures and all the things that come with being a professional sports person, and then you go and have a more likely chance to succeed. And then in European football, it's very much the same thing. A team like we saw it with Azani. Azani's going over. He's going to go play with Celtics because it's a it's a it's a lower standard league, so he can learn and develop without being absolutely monstered by these massive teams. And when City goes, we think you're good enough. They'll either sell him and make a profit off him, or they'll well, bring, bring him into the side. Well, like they do Yeah, exactly. And. and- and that's what we should be doing because as Ruzi said there's so much talent like you're heavily involved with Vafra obviously and you know how much talent's there that if they were nurtured and they were found out at 21, 22 being like you know what if you actually you know became made this a full time pursuit we'll give you we'll give you enough money to make it worthwhile have a crack and there's kids at that level missing out let alone the kids who were stuck in that VFA level because a recruiter thought when they were 18 that they weren't mature enough or developed enough or you know not enough upside and you can't tell you just can't tell at that age so it and makes heaps and, of sense and you look at like we, we obviously watch a lot and follow a lot of American sports a lot of them go to college so they don't come out and start playing until they're 22, 23 hmm. and you know obviously they've played through the college systems and stuff like that as well so they're used to that professional environment because anyone watches college sports it's pretty full on they actually play in you know bigger crowds some of them hmm. they do in the NFL so or even basketball or any of that so yeah it's it's funny how we're very pigeonholed to you have to be 18 and a gun, and and that's probably why you know you have so many players not make it out of a draft as well, and some of them don't make it in their original stint and come back two or three years later, or yeah, you know like a Tim Kelly for instance and stuff and Barlow those sorts of blokes. There's plenty of them out there, so yeah, I just think that that should be the priority, and maybe the the AFL can help the club out in another way. Like Carlton are very well set up on at board level and in footy footy department wise. It's just their playing group and. You know, maybe they're coaching staff and coach. Maybe they look at that like a bit like Collingwood did in Richmond's done. Gold Coast are getting everything sorted out behind in the back room. Now it's just about working out which players want to be there and play there and set up a dynasty and which players don't. Mm. Get rid of them. And you know, Brisbane have been through the same thing. Like Brisbane, you know, they've set up their football department, got the right coach, got the right people around him, got the right you know, they had a massive, you know, loss of players over the last probably up up until two or three years ago. Now they've got the right nucleus. They've got the, they want to create a culture, all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, you get everything else in order first because as much as equalisation sounds nice and the AFL needs to do it to try and keep things competitive, if you put the talent, all the talented players of the world, into this very poorly run organisations, they're not going to prosper. You're just going to end up wasting them, and they're going to just going to need more picks in the future and it just creates this bigger and bigger hole which we see that Carlton Gold Coast got themselves into Green Mouse and Kilda yeah, yeah you'll get stuck in these in these these ruts of no one wants to go there as a free agent coaches don't want to go there to coach they get stuck with a bad list and you know slowly in the cases of St Kilda you run out of run out of members run out of fans so those are the things where I think the AFL would be better off as they're giving out priority picks you say like an, an, a forced Richmond style whole club kind of audit saying, yeah. what's wrong? Here's how you fix it. Yeah, we can it. help you with this, this, and this, and the rest will help itself. Collingwood did it last year. It just needs mm. to happen. And yeah, I don't, don't know why you should be ordered priority picks. You know, sort, your, sort everything out. And if you went through every club and really thought about it, like every, every team's got their top five to ten players. Mm. It's probably where they differ. And then you've got your next ten to twenty players that are probably, you know, same, same. Mm. But it's just, it's just their mental, you know, aptitude towards the task. And their willingness to work hard and how, how seriously they want to take it and how what they want to get out of footy. Because mm. I bet you if you put them all together at 18, you wouldn't be able to tell which one, you know, the difference between them all. They might have had like a height difference or something. It's the top five or ten players at your club that you rely on. Injuries, they're, they're the game winners. It's the rest that just... Uh, do their job. Do their job. Play your role. Play your role. role, yeah, exactly. And last question for the week. Another bit of tongue-in-cheek, I suppose, but... Baz, as the bastion of football knowledge that you are, and the cult hero that you are on Twitter, are you offended that the AFL did not ask about your opinions on the game after they seemingly asked everyone in the general sports media, including Channel 10 Project host Wally Ali? Well, we know that. I'm a bit of a nuffy, so yeah, I was a bit disappointed. 
because I can tell you how to fix it pretty quickly. How do you fix it, Baz? Just leave the freaking game alone. Attendance, we've gone over this a few times, but MCG are about to break their attendance record for a season. Mm. Uh, other grounds are doing the same. Uh, you know, if, I reckon if you went through app and you know online sort of through streaming content, how their ratings would be, it would be through the roof compared to TV. I just leave the game alone. It's great. There was some good games last week. Yeah, there's going to be crap games like the Carlton Western Bros game, but it'll happen in every era. No matter what you do with the rules and what you do with players, it'll happen. Mm. Just leave the game alone. Thank you. Moving on to our kitty check-in for round 22. We got two bets up. We put a lot of eggs in the uh, West Coast to beat Melbourne and uh, the Melbourne hate goggles. Exploded in our faces, we got glass in our eyes, and it uh, cost us a profitable weekend, but we did break even. And uh, no multi. No multi, so we've got one week left to try well, and jam multi. Can score, and Western Broad can score. Was, was it, and what happened with Richmond in that last quarter? Did they just... Because that, 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 that bet they was got on. They 39 points up, and then they just put all the cues in the rack. Yeah, Nank went off and just got told the to ice up. All of them. I swear Harvick's been down watching us. I, I said this last week. He's been down seeing Coach Baz. It's, you know, 15, 20 minutes to go. We're up by, you know, 30 or 40 points. All right, boys. We'll just play with 16, 17. You guys ice up. We've got bigger fish to fry. And not even that. Like, they went in there with... They went. I did that before the games even started. They went, you know what, Coach? Just take a week off. Yeah, man. I know. Yeah. You know, we're not going to even playing you three quarters of a game. You know what? Just don't play the game. Yeah. Just don't play. Yeah. Just ha- go back, look after your kids, do some media stuff, get some extra cashies, whatever you want to do. We can do this without you. And so all these people have been like, oh, Richmond are so fallible. It's like, it's not even our best squad. And they stopped playing after they got 40 points up and they had enough in the bank to flip the switch at the end and be like, no. Nah. And they cost us money. And they cost us money. That's more fool on us because uh, why are we betting on those games when they don't matter and we know that those things are going to happen? Well, it won't happen this week because it might be very light on in terms of things that are actually worth betting on. <laughs> Twenty-three preview begins Friday night with a very confusing game, really. Port Adelaide, after being absolutely put to the sword and condemned to a ninth of year, have been left with egg on their faces. The Bombers put up a good fight against the Tigers, as we mentioned, but an eight-point loss meant that their season is now over as well. Despite all that, Port Adelaide are a dollar sixty favourites at home on Friday night. Baz, after another knockout blow, to use Ken Hinckley terms. Uh, have Port signed off for the 2018 season? Just quickly, why is this going on Friday night? Why isn't JWS Melbourne on a Friday night or Sydney Hawthorne? Like, why haven't they loaded up the finals teams to play the first four games? I mean, I know, I know why in a way they've done it to keep people interested the whole round, but surely you want to give those four teams. I know they got the week off, but just as much time. But then the reverse effect it would be that Melbourne played this Sunday afternoon game, and then making them play a Friday night game means they come off like four days or five uh, days rest. Anyway. Port threw all their eggs in one basket last week. I messaged you during the game saying he's played injured players. He's he's psyched them up all week, saying you know the crowd and all that. Like the, sorry, not the crowd, but you know the the media's against us. Everything like that. We've got to respond. We need to finish finals. We need to win this game. We need to do everything. You know, pump them up, pump them up. And then they just went missing in that last quarter and a half. And they would have been flat. They're missing out on finals. Essendon can't make it. Essendon, you know. Should beat should beat Port, mm. and at two dollars thirty five, I couldn't believe the the odds when I saw it at four. And yeah, I think Port Adelaide would definitely have uh, checked out, and it'll be interesting to see what Port Adelaide do with their uh, selections. Does Sam Power Pepper come in? And you know, been talking about it all year. They just like pace. They like a better skill, and they're probably going to lose Pollock. And they've got a, yeah, they've got a few questions they need to ask. They need to play a ruckman who's fit. So uh, Ryder needs to go out and get himself right for next year and they should play that young kid they've got in their resis and probably play a few more kids because they're playing blokes that uh, aren't going to get the job done and they need to see what they've got for next year and they probably should have done it earlier to be honest yeah but they were still in the hunt like even eight weeks ago we were saying they should finish top four but he did it last year in the last few games and and in the final as well he just took the risk with a couple of young kids that played back one and it worked so Mm. why bring in three blokes who are 50-50 50-50 players at best. I think Motlop's had a good year. And we know, you know I reckon Rock, Rockcliffe's got a bit more to give. 
but he, you know, he left Brisbane. He wanted to leave Brisbane for two or three years, and um, you know, he, he didn't. Even we got we got lots of possessions at, at Brisbane. That he didn't get a lot of medias gained either. So. Yeah, I just don't know about their recruiting and not, you know, at the start of the year we're all, all up and about and thinking they'll be a pretty good team, but I think pretty early on we found out they were just like Essendon, so I think Essendon are a better team than Port at the moment, even though they're probably still a bit short in the midfield. They've got lots of pace and that'll worry, mm. worry, worry Port. And they can score and Port can't score and for a game that doesn't mean that much and I think both coaches will say, well, let's just go out and see what happens. Yeah. That will, that's going to suit Essendon. I did mention in the preamble that we shouldn't bet on games that don't matter, but Essendon are paying two dollars thirty-five. Yeah, are we at all interested in that? We're just gonna leave it right alone. I'm probably gonna wait till late Friday and see how I'm going with my bank account <laughs> after Friday, Friday, Friday lunch with the boys. But uh, yeah, I reckon I might have a, I might have a crack at that later on. We'll talk about we'll talk about the rest of the games, Sarah and Matt, and uh, it might pop up in our little feature bets. Saturday kicks off with yet another. Lamb to the massacre. Geelong have eight spots pretty much locked away after their complete domination against the Dockers last week. What does a freshly re-signed Chris Scott have in store for the Suns at the Cattery this week? Oh, screw the game. With Chris Scott, four more years? What do you reckon? I don't mind it. He goes through his stats and his wins. He's, he hasn't had a losing season, even when he missed finals. Yeah. He's consistently finishing third or fourth, first in his first year, but... I don't know that one counts. Pretty, he inherited a pretty good team. He's done some smart recruiting as yeah. well. Like I, I want to see how he goes when a few of these blokes start to go over the other side. Because obviously, you know, this year they don't have to use a first round, or they don't have to draft. So obviously, they they got a history of picking up good players. Like Parfit and Narkel are very good players. Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I just I just think they got big holes to fill, and some interesting to see how he goes. I like his as a you listen to him. He's obviously very public persona in the football world. I yeah, I like the way he talks about football, much like Bucks. Like when you listen to both those guys talk about footy, you go, you clearly know what you're talking about. You clearly are very thoughtful. I, I from what I can gather, you listen to your assistants. So that's all the ticks you want. Like yeah. what you don't want is someone who only has one way of doing it. So in my opinion, like a Ross Lyon, who he's not open minded. He's very like this is the way you play football. Everyone else just follow. Yeah, he's the yeah the Alistair Clarkson's obviously the the absolute platinum version of that. Then you've got your long lies and your hard works and those guys. And is Chris Scott in that echelon? I don't think so. But I think he's in that kind of next tier down where he's still a very good coach. And if he's committed and the club's committed and the players are on board, then three years is very much security. So you can try and get rid of that. And in a small town like Geelong, where they obviously need stuff to write about, if you can just lock him away and be like, cool, we've got our coach, we've got our president, we've got our trio of midfielders, here's what we've got, let's so, go and I just play for I reckon that at Geelong they'd see this season as a failure, even though they don't make finals. If they don't win a final or they get knocked out, like they might win one and get knocked out second week, I reckon they'll see it as a failure. And I reckon this is a bit of bit of gloss to cover over it. You know what I mean? Like they, they've signed him for four more years as to twenty twenty two and whatever it is. You know, just it's a bit of good news to try and hide yeah. the fact that they've probably had a poor season given what they've recruited and what they, where their list is at. And I rate him as a coach as well, don't get me wrong, and I think, you know, but I just think that, yeah, it's interesting to see what it's, people, yeah, it's what interesting people are going to say, what, yeah, yeah. What, how it happened, when it happened, and what people are going to say to maybe next year or the year after when they start dropping away a little bit. So, you know, they, they struggle to make that this year, and I reckon they'll, they'll, you know, they'll be a lot worse next year. So, yeah, it's yeah, just my eyes thought, because this game is pointless to talk about, because they'll win, and they'll win by plenty, and they'll probably... They'll finish eighth or seventh. So the line is seventy-five. Have you ever seen a line of seventy-five? Uh yeah, back in the bad days of uh, GWS and Gold Coast, and probably even uh, there's a couple of years there where Melbourne were pretty ordinary. Because seventy-five is epic. Yeah, and they'll probably cover. I, I wouldn't be touching it. Yeah, I but they'll probably touch, cover. I reckon I'll definitely cover. But yeah, especially if the weather's half decent down there. I mean. Well, it wasn't last I, week, and they still yeah, won by I think, 125. I think Gold Coast would give a bit more than what Freo did for two, three quarters, I'll tell you. Moving swiftly along to another bit of an up-and-down game. As we mentioned before, Richmond are playing the Doggies at the 2-10, the classic Hyder Paul game slot down the MCG. The line here is 40. Uh, Richmond put the queue in the rack and cost us plenty of money after the first five minutes of the last quarter last week. As I said, the scoreline suggested that it was close, but the result against Bombers was never in doubt. The Doggies, from nowhere, have suddenly realised they can play footy again. Oh, and they've been... They've been, no, no. Well, they've they've won been, eight games this year, two games, 
twice three games in a row. The other two have been two games in a row. They go up and down, up and down, up and down. Richmond will flog them. You reckon they're going to flog them? They'll win by, they'll win by 40, 30 to 40 points, maybe even more. Superbaz coach. Yeah. What would you do in this situation if you are Damien Hardwick? You've got first place locked up. Yep. Do you play as close to a full-strength finals team as you can as a run-in because you know that a yeah, lot of your blokes so haven't, haven't played in the last couple of weeks? There's been like a rotation of resting. Yeah. Then you've got the week off, and then if you win, you've got another week off. So really, you've only got about three weeks of footy left. Best case scenario. Or do you go anyone who is like not even like less than 80% no, we rest them? Oh, if they're not fit, if they're, if they're a risk, I wouldn't play them. Yeah. But otherwise, I'd be playing my best team. Because like you said, you got next week off and you got a big final. Then you can have another week off. So they could, if you rest them now, they could play one game in a month, mm. which isn't ideal. No, not at all. So yeah, okay. If that's the case then, then uh, yeah, doggies will clearly struggle against the standard bearers in the team. And obviously all the stats say that because Richmond's the best team in the comp and doggies are struggling to make you know the top 10 teams in the comp. So yet again... A last round fizzler will obviously tip Richmond and probably leave that one alone as well. Doggies under 60 points is probably up there. The Twilight game doesn't get much better other than has a little bit more to play for. Ross Lyon came out last week after his team's horrendous performance and just kind of said it wasn't that bad. <laughs> he said, you know what, we won eight games this year and uh, these things happen and uh, so be it. Rebuilds take time and 123 point losses are part of a rebuild apparently. Luckily for your boys, though, you're heading over to Optus Stadium in a percentage hunting mode. If things go your way and you win by a fairly decent margin, you could show up top two spot. What will Box be going through in his mind at this one? Will it be just bank the win and keep on rolling on towards finals? Or will it be a, come on, boys, let's try and lock up top two and really put him to the sword? I reckon he will go out there, start the game as per usual, and then if things are going well at quarter time or halfway through the second quarter he'll be like alright boys it's time to uh, up the ante again and let's go let's really look for that second spot third spot um, we, we already know that a few of the blokes are going to be not playing uh, through injury or otherwise and he just wants to make sure 100% right for two weeks time um, and yeah the Dockers were woeful last week they are a better team at home but last year we went over there and flogged them as well so I'm pretty confident Collingwood getting up. Uh, I wouldn't be touching the lines. But I reckon it's about right. Overs unders looks about right. But uh, yeah, we're looking at maybe someone like a Tom Phillips or someone like that. Probably getting plenty of the footy on the wings there at Optus Stadium. And yeah, I think we'll we'll win and win pretty comfortably. And hopefully it's enough to to finish top four. That's what I really worry about. If we finish second or third, it doesn't really worry me. As long as we finish top four, I'm pretty happy. I'd probably almost rather finish fourth and have a free crack at Richmond first week at finals than having to travel to Perth. An interesting stat I found, calling back to your fact that you said that the Magpies don't play a very Richmond-style football, you like to possess the ball. Last week, you played around with a very more Richmond style. So you only averaged 13 disposals per goal last week. That's a lot of that's because Port were pretty woeful. Port were moving the ball so slowly that when they did... You know, turn it over. It was generally at our half forward line because I was just kicking it down the line and we'll win the ball back. And you know, it's a lot easier to have uh, less possessions per goal when you win the footy at half forward, which is much what Richmond does as well. But just a little stats oddity there to mention before we move on to the next game. Obviously, tip Collingwood, but again, not one for the punters to try and make a bit of cash on. Our first cashing game of the week comes at seven twenty-five on Saturday night, and it is the only bona fide blockbuster this week. Last week, we were privileged to witness the Buddy Show for probably the eighth time this year, yeah. where he's just been like, boys, I know these these shoulders here are pretty strapped up, but there's room for one more one more go. Everyone climb on, all aboard the Buddy Train. I'm going to take you to the promised land. And he did. A six-goal, five final quarter by the Swans left the Giants in their wake. They went from 12 points down to 20 points up by the end of the game and made us some fairly tasty cash. Meanwhile, Hawthorne's topsy-turvy season continued with a dour effort against the Saints, where Clarkson pretty much... I love Clarkson presses. Clarkson presses are must-watch television because he came out and just said the truth, and he was like, look, Saints should have won. We were pretty crap, and uh, if we play like that in the finals... We'll get thumped. We'll get thumped. So, Sydney, Hawthorne at the SCG, Saturday night. The Swans are $1.65 favourites 
Why aren't the Hawks favourites in this, Bats? No, Buddy, I'm pretty sure they said no Parker as well. I'm just about to double-check that. So. Well, Buddy's been... Monday was uh, no Buddy, but then Tuesday was Longmire saying Buddy will play. So we don't know. Why would you risk him? Because you want to finish in the top four. If they win, they overtake GWS. Again, asking the super coach, Baz, do you risk Buddy for a top four double chance? If he's done a groin or hurt his groin and you've got three weeks for finals, if he's going to make it worse and not, he's, we already know he's had struggles with his fitness this year, I'd be backing in my team to say, all right, let's just get the job done without Buddy tonight. Because if he plays and re- hurts himself worse or goes down with whatever else and can't play finals, then they're well and truly done. Because mm. he's the only, like, he's pretty much been the reason why they won their last three. But we saw last time he played against Hawthorne, Ronke stood up and kicked seven. I mean, it's unlikely it's going to happen again, but I think there's too much. you got to you got to weigh out the risk. Like, okay, you might not finish top four, but then you might not have Buddy for the rest of the year either. So what's, what's the worst thing? I think not having Buddy for the rest of the year is the worst. So I think... Yeah, I'd be definitely resting Buddy if he's not if he's not above eighty percent. I'd be resting Buddy and Parker is the other one I heard that might be a, a rumored out. That's a pretty big out for me as well because he's you know been carrying that midfield at times this year. But they these two teams always play a close game of footy. Yep. History says that uh, Hawthorne have a really good record at the SCG. Sydney's Hawthorne a- have a crazy good record at the SCG. So the games they've played twenty six times at the SCG, the Hawks lead. 14 wins to 12. And they've won their last four at the SCG. And Sydney haven't been great at the SCG this Not year. Not this year, no. So, and obviously their game style's changed a bit uh, in the last few weeks, Sydney. So, or how they're going about it. Not really their game style, just how they're going about it. They've got some players back, which helps. I'll, I'll, I'll be almost tempted to tip Hawthorne, but I'm a bit worried after their performance last week where, you know, St Kilda's speed and uh, harassment got to them a bit. So we said that, but early in the year we went through... the. Like when they played Geelong, both times were very concerned that Geelong's midfield might be too much for a, a midfield that relies heavily on one bloke. They said, no worries, we'll dealt with them twice. We said against Essendon, speed kills. Turns out they could deal with that as well. I think it might have been a case that of the Hawks, as we said last week, rolling into St Kilda. St Kilda are a bit of a bogey team. They're playing at the end of head where they don't play that well and them just being a little bit ahead of themselves. All the uh, externals that you can see this week, Clarkson would have been... I rate and give them an absolute bake and I think they'll probably bounce back this week well you know both teams will be structured the crap out of it for this game it'll be the, a tactician's dream this one well the over-unders for the match total is 138 which, which I think is the lowest of the year there's no forecast of rain in Sydney it's just two two chess masters going head to head and I reckon we'll go over that so it'd be pretty hard not to yeah which is, you know, obviously the bookmakers are smart and realise that everyone would have been piling into the unders, especially early if it was around the 150 mark. They would have been at a lot of money, so they probably ran it back in. But it's probably a bit silly, 130. I reckon it should be around the 145, 150 mark because, yeah, you know, Sydney have been kicking 70-odd points and Hawthorne, you'd, you know, they're a pretty good scoring team, so mm. you'd reckon they'd, they'd get covered. Any money plays here? We're going to lean to Hawthorne a little bit? Lean to Hawthorne, but I probably won't be having a punt just for watching. Maybe uh, both teams... Uh, between the 61 and 76 mark, or even maybe both teams 76 to, to 90, just depending on the odds, just maybe play around with that. You can get you know around the 15 to 20 dollar mark, so you can probably outlay 20, 30 bucks and if, you know still have a win. Yep, fair enough. And of course, if you wanted to put a security on that as well, if you're taking obviously two teams to score over 70, they're going to cover that line pretty convincingly as well. Definitely. Another one to probably avoid on Saturday night. We're coming to final series. Make sure you get rid of all the family commitments, all of the loved one commitments, all dinner dates, birthday parties, this week, next week, and then it's finals footy, 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 because the second of the Saturday night games is Carlton versus Adelaide at the Etihad, and uh, Adelaide are 44-point favourites, and they're not going to make the top eight, so you know how well the Blues are travelling this year. Is there any reason, other than if you're a supporter of either club, to keep an eye on this game, Baz. If you, you couldn't even watch it, if you watched, the, I watched the, the first quarter of the last uh, last week's game against Carlton Western Bulldogs, and I thought oh, I'll flick it back on around the second quarter, watch it for five minutes, I was like, oh, and I'll turn it again back on the third quarter, watch about five ten minutes, and then I I don't know what I, why I was kept flicking back to it because it was probably because you're nothing, Baz. Because of the some of the worst football I've ever seen. 
And, uh, yeah, and I don't care about this game, to be honest, because it'll be yuck, and Carlton won't score above 60. They might get 61-75, and Adelaide will probably score well over 100. So, yeah, that's about it for there, I reckon. Uh, good on you, Adelaide, finish on a win, and Carlton, yeah, Carlton could... Couldn't possibly win, surely. Well, no, because I thought of the romanticism or maybe, you know, what can Carlton lean into? they got nothing. <laughs> so uh, got nothing. there's one thing they could lean into. So if they lose this game, it'll be their lowest win tally in a season for more than 100 years. The last time the Blues had won just two games in a season was 1901. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's sad. And uh, But the reason why they won't win is because they rank last for inside 50s and they're yet to kick over 100 points this year. They didn't last year either. So uh, I reckon they've gone nearly they've gone over forty games. Surely they're not kicking hundred points. Hundred points, so. which is pretty sad for all those blue baggers out there. Our thoughts are with you, but uh, not really. To Adelaide and go to bed early that night. Yeah, I'll be going to bed early. Sunday kicks off one ten with an interesting one because I think the line is very much wrong in this one. Brisbane are hosting West Coast at the Gabba. The line here is only two goals, and the Eagles are only dollar fifty four favourites. Now, West Coast did us all no favours by letting the Demons qualify for their first finals berth in 12 years and obviously left us open to a floodgate of Twitter criticism. But now the Eagles have also left ajar their top two spot. So if they lose to a very tricky line side at the Gabba and Collingwood win, then Collingwood will sneak into that top two spot, let alone some strange things could happen in that Sydney Hawthorne game or even the DOS game. Because you're all on the same point. So the tricky question has been all, all week is that if you if your blokes aren't right, do you risk them for an advancement in the ladder or do you just save them? Josh Kendi apparently has a stress fracture or some kind of stress-related injury in his shin. Does he fly to the Gabba? Does he play? Do you risk him? And this is the reason why you might. This year they are 91% wins with Kennedy at 10-1. and 1. They're only a 50-50 prospect without him. Yeah, I wouldn't be flying him over there because they're going to finish top four. So, well, they should finish top four. They should be beating Brisbane in Brisbane. It's going to be a bit of a damp, sort of wet game. So, look, they should win. And I like the line, actually. I reckon West Coast at that line is pretty, pretty, pretty good line. And even the over-unders. So, I know it's going to be wet, but I reckon both teams will definitely score the 70, 80 plus point range. Look, Brisbane are pretty ordinary last week, to be honest, against Gold Coast. They've been good for a Big patch of the year, second half of the year. But obviously, young team, looking forward to the end of the year. I think uh, this is the one where the West Coast will win pretty comfortably and uh, cover the line and book their top two finish. And again, all the stats, especially the uh, betting ones, back that up. West Coast have dominated Brisbane. They've won the last seven matches, including four by more than 50 points. They just have a, a greater depth of talent than, than the Lions. And they play a style that isn't susceptible to the Lions getting the run on. So not like a Hawthorne that's very measured. They do like to go and play direct footy. I'd be taking the cover here at $1.92, probably my best bet of the week. And it's good that Vardy's getting some good game time and starting to show his promise. You know, he played at Geelong, had lots of injury problems. He's had the same run up there at West Coast, but he's starting to put some footy together and uh, could be a little handy addition to their team with uh, Kennedy and Darling and Lysette going forward. So good work. My most intriguing match of the week will be Sunday, 3.20. The Demons are $1.44 favourites against the Giants, who are $2.80 outsiders. The line here is around about three goals, depending on which bookmaker you are in with. Skyrocketing from pretenders to contenders in the space of half a quarter, Melbourne are yet again the footy media's darlings. But are they really for real, Baz? Well, the best thing is they probably get Kelly back. That's the Giants, yep. Yep, they get Reed, but oh, maybe Reed. Yep. Uh, obviously, Davis, Davis is a 50-50. A few others, you know, I know Green did a fair bit of work at training, as I've read, but they won't be ready for this week. Griffin, they, they see it as a test, but he, he won't play. Melbourne probably won't make a change, I don't reckon. They, they did pretty well last week, so I can't see them making a change. We're going to test this bathwater over-celebration Well, there's, there's two theories here. One was the bathwater theory, so... That was specifically Melbourne. When they get a bit ahead of themselves, they had a good couple of wins, they get on social media, they get out, they do all the interviews, they get in the press. Simon Goodwin joined David King's segment yep. on, a, on ACN on Monday morning. Like He was actually like a guest on the segment. Yeah, I know, I listened, yeah. So they're doing the same thing again, yep. and it always results in a loss. The second one 
is the external motivation one. So we did warn everyone. We weren't ready to trust them, but we did say that this would be the week if it was going to happen last week when someone goes, look, boys, we're getting smashed in the media yet again. We had to get this monkey off our back. Let's do it. And you can see by his celebration on the box that it obviously was a G-dub. It was a very Don Pike celebration. It was a very yep. Ken Hinckley celebration. It was a very uh, beverage celebration. One where they've gone, yeah, I've G'd them up. I've got it done. What a relief. What a release. Oh, my God. Amazing. They celebrated that win very hard. Yeah, and I don't think... Teams that are really good don't celebrate getting to the finals. They celebrate winning a funnel or winning the whole thing. And everyone's now saying, I think it's going to be a massive relax. Like, everyone's saying that now. They're saying Melbourne can relax. If Melbourne relax... Yeah, they'll get done. They'll get done because they need to cut off those uncontested disposals, those uncontested marks. They need to do the things that all the good teams do, work hard at the ball. We know they can score goals. But if this is a shootout, GWS win. The thing for me is that they might have feel like they've oh they've reached the target they've they've, they've mm. done what they needed to do tick that box and then, and then they think oh this the rest will just come and it'll be easy but they're still got to work for it so yeah I mean look injuries that GWS got and the talent that Melbourne have got that surely Melbourne should win this game and it's the MCG where GWS don't really play that well Lob is in the ruck so you know struggle you know against Gorn, Gorn, yeah. you know and the midfield battle will be interesting because you know Leo Shield and and Kelly versus, you know, uh, Oliver, uh, Jones, Petraka and Harms and stuff like that. So so on that, it'll be interesting because despite not having a dominant Ruckman, the Giants still are the leading center clearance team in the comp. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if all you, like, not all you have to do, but obviously Gorn does amazing things with his tap work, but he does like the like the, the spike to space. If you send your outside runners, if you just go to like Josh Kelly, like we need to just get you reading that ball. Yeah, Whitfield. Or Whitfield. Yeah. Or Coniglio, just being like, he's going to do it every couple of ones, get on the end of that. I reckon you could actually see the Giants win the centre clearance count in this one as well. Yeah, and Jeremy Cameron needs a lift. I mean, he's almost hitting Tex Walker levels of media build-up hype for not performing and uh, a bit of attitude adjustment and stuff. So he needs to... if if. Jervis serious. He needs to start pulling his finger out and start throwing his body around. Again, I saw footage of Phil Davis coming back on after his injury. Throwing, he went four because he couldn't get out buddy. He couldn't play defence. Threw his body. Did everything he could for that team. So Jeremy Cameron, just have a look at your old mate captain. Just do something because he could be the difference to them winning and losing like a buddy was two weeks ago. Because their defence is very weak, very uh, easy to you know tear apart and if he has a good game with a few of the other little boys in that forward 50 with Bonner and stuff that could be the game there so that's where it's going to be one of loss from, for GWS they're four along with Bonner Cameron uh, Himmelberg those sorts of blokes need to really make sure they, they put the work into the Melbourne defence because if their midfield gets on top they'll score enough that Melbourne won't be a factor so Giants are currently paying $2.80 are we at all interested if I, have a good, if I have a good Friday night, Saturday on the punt, I might have a crack, but otherwise I'll be watching. Fair enough. I'm I'm very tempted because I'm a statistically-minded man, and in statistics, you don't change your theory based on one result. One result one result against the grain is an outlier, and you ignore outliers in statistics. Until Melbourne start to rack them up, there's no reason to jump off. And if it costs me like it costs the doggies, I didn't get on the doggies early enough, and I missed out on that run, then so be it. But I'm going to go with the Giants this week. I think. The last game of the 2018 home and away season is an absolute fizzer. <laughs> 440, Etihad Stadium. There's going to be about 20 people there. St Kilda, $3.66 home dogs against North Melbourne, who are $1.29. Both teams are on that heavy slide, but especially the Roos, they are grinding to a slow halt this season. The only question I could think is... Can Ben Brown win the common? I don't care about Ben Brown. I'll be watching this game for one reason, one reason only. North okay. Melbourne are the best team, I reckon, at getting up for teammates yeah. and sending people off. Yeah. They'll be getting up for big old mate, Wadey. Yeah. And Wadey's going to go nuts. He's going to kick a bag. He's going to kick a bag? He'll tear it up. Wadey's going to kick a bag and cost Ben Brown the common? Yep. That's amazing. So get on get on Wadey to kick most goals and just watch... Wait, the enigma, just tear it up because uh, he'll get enough ball in there and if he plays like he did last week for that quarter and a half, two quarters where he was bloody good, then uh, the LA boys struggled and there's no one at St Kilda that's going to go with him either. So he could he could literally tear it up. So 
take give secure put all your defenders with Brownie and let's let Wadey light do up. what do what, he, do what he can do let him let him give us something for this game let him let, you know otherwise the game could be an absolute fizzer that's right Wadey can watch the GOS Melbourne clash and then have Wadey can in the corner yep like it a lot that's what we're doing and that's how we'll end our 2018 season well, we've still got... Just so you know, we're still here for finals. Correct, correct. We're not going anywhere. And here we go for our round 23 feature bets. We're a bit light on this week, as we mentioned beforehand. We're not going to waste your money, your hard-earned on half-assed games that don't matter much, but we've found four... Nice little nuggets of value to get you through the weekend. All right, our best bet will be West Coast to cover the line of 11.5, paying $1.92 against the Brisbane Lions. Look for them to lock up their top two spot. Our value is going to be whether or not we can prove the bathwater and the extrinsic motivator theories we've had all season. GWS to win in an upset against the Demons at the MCG. That's paying $2.80. A roughie comes from Baz's one of his favourites. Back to the Future. He loved the old possession bet early on in the season. He's gone back to that. Tom Phillips to have 30 plus disposals against Frio is paying four bucks. And our multi, we're going to jag one in the home away season. End the season on a high. We're going to take our best, our value, and roll it into Essendon. So that's West Coast to cover, 11.5. Giants to win, $2.80. And Essendon to win away at Port. And that's paying $12.63. And that's enough value to see you through to uh, we start talking about finals. All the exciting real football. Both our teams are in it. And uh, we'll have much happier finals chat as opposed to last year where Baz was a very, very sad man. Why? Because Richmond won? Correct. Yeah, well, I'm on your bandwagon a bit this year. so and Plus, I've got my own finals to worry about at the moment. So I'm sure we'll be back next week, do a bit of a review of the season. We'll see where we're at, where we can go forward, and uh, take on a big finals campaign where, just a bit ahead of what we're here, I tend to shine. Oh, you, you, get, <laughs> you get the finals right, do you? <laughs> Pretty sure you took Adelaide last game. Yeah, I did. So, yeah, so, yeah.